Welcome to the All Things Nintendo podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. I hope you've been enjoying exploring Hyrule over the past week, as I'm sure that's what pretty much everybody who listens to this podcast has been doing. That said, we have focused our last three episodes on Zelda, and I had a whole topic for us to discuss that's completely divorced from Zelda, but then a news explosion happened, so most of this episode will actually be us covering the latest news, and joining me to do all of that is Marcus Stewart. Marcus, how are you doing? I'm feeling great. I'm excited. I... I, I'm ready to do some some fighting. There's there's a lot of exciting stuff I want to you know I'm gonna talk to you some about fighting. Some fighting, yeah. The the gloves are off. We're doing some. Uh, oh jeez. Yeah, maybe some kicking too. I'm feeling real frisky. <laughs> I think you're referring to something that we're gonna be talking about a little bit later on in the episode. But uh, I know it, it's it's almost as if like everyone decided to just you know let Zelda have last week. You know it, that that week is lost to the ages. That is just official Zelda week because we got the 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 levy bursting with news this week and it's just so much stuff you and I just to kind of peek behind the curtain here we were trying to jump on to record this probably within like the last 30 minutes and just email after email kept hitting my inbox and I kept having to add stuff I'm sure more stuff will happen after this episode comes out or after this episode is recorded in between then and when it comes out so apologies if anything hits then but like yeah it's like we got like two or three weeks worth of news and uh yeah the last few weeks have absolutely been zelda overload so we're just gonna get that aspect of it out of the way early here and start with that um i i know marcus you have been very busy with a couple of review games here so uh I, I, no expectation here but have you had a chance to dive into tears of the kingdom yeah i i played the, the bulk of it over the weekend uh, mostly on Sunday was pretty much Tears of the Kingdom Day. Uh, I am, I I've put in a good bit of time, but I've also have not yet visited any of the like the main uh, villages, I guess, or the main like phenomenon locate. That's kind of mm -hmm. where I'm at, like mission wise. We're like, hey, go investigate the four phenomenon. I've not done that. I've just kind of been running around, activating a few towers here and there, and just building dumb crap with a uh, ultra hand. <laughs> That sounds very much like my early hours, so that that checks out. Uh, how are you liking it so far? I'm loving it. It's um, it's interesting because it's not. It's like I don't have the same sense of like magic as I had with Breath of the Wild, just because it's you know it's a sequel. You know what we were getting this time, but I am finding a, a new version of that, I guess, with just Ultra Hand of like, oh man, what. What can I stick together? How do things interact with each other? Like that's been the fun that I've had. And I've also, um, I feel like I'm playing this a little bit more efficiently in the sense that like, even though I just said I haven't gone to do sort of the main stuff quite yet, uh, up to that point, I feel like I, I have a better idea of what I do want to focus on. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, I just kind of wandered aimlessly and was just like, yeah, whatever I hit along the way, I guess I'll just do that. But like, I, I was a lot less focused in Breath of the Wild, where here I'm like, okay, like I mainlined pretty much all of the story stuff. And even now I'm like, all right, I'm building stuff. I'm, I'm looking at stuff, but I still feel like I have an eye. Like I know what I want to do next. I'm just choosing not to do it, if that makes sense. That's um, absolutely what I, what I got out of my first few uh, hours of the game as well, because like, you're right. Like, it's like, okay, I, I, I've done this before. I know like what the song and dance is to like open up the world a little bit and like 
be able to make it so that when the time comes, I can go here and not have to worry about like crossing the entire map in order to get there. It's also um, good because I don't know if you've seen this, but apparently uh, some players have been missing the glider in the beginning. Like the because, you know, they actually take a little while to give it to you in this game as compared uh-huh. to the Breath of the Wild. And I saw a really funny story where apparently players have uh, they did the Impa mission where you meet her for the first time without the glider and then found themselves kind of stuck <laughs> because oh, no. that, that mission requires you to jump from a high uh, vantage point and then they couldn't without dying with some exceptions of people found some. <laughs> but a lot of people are like, oh, I think Impa gives it to you, right? And then realizing like, oh, no. Uh, so that was, I thought that was interesting of like, cause even when I was playing, I was like, huh, I'm surprised I haven't gotten the paraglider yet, but I'm going to keep mainlining it until I get it. Cause it seems, you know, seems weird to do anything else until you, you have it. Right. But yeah, I just thought that was a pretty funny phenomenon that is apparently happening right now. <laughs> I mean, there was, I went a long time without getting auto build and some other stuff in the game. Like there's a lot of stuff you can actually miss if you don't like kind of follow the breadcrumbs at least in the early hours and yeah there was a there was a a long time before i got like all of the abilities and uh ultimately i mean a full disclosure i beat the game without getting the like beat the game mission (laughs) in my thing because there was like one thing that uh i don't want to do any spoilers here but there is one thing where it's like here is like you finally get like the mission in your thing that says like uh beat this thing and uh i like remember in breath of the wild when you beat it like it it, they had that cool moment where like this you you defeated ganon and it was like destroy ganon complete right uh i i didn't have a mission that told me to like go and beat the the final challenge so i didn't get like a screen or anything cool like that i just kind of beat the game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, like, does that count as, like, sequence breaking? I don't think so, because, like, it, it was a whole different quest line that you need in order to unlock that. So interesting. I just kind of went where I thought made sense for the final sequence when I was like, yeah, I think I'm ready to beat this game. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was ultimately how I beat it. There I was go. just kind of, like, going in blind. I was like, maybe this, is a, this looks like maybe a cool area to go and... I didn't think it was actually the final like sequence. I thought it was like something I needed to do to unlock the final sequence. And then like it, all the things started going in motion and I was like, Oh, this is, this is the final stuff. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm talking in a lot of vagaries here on purpose and uh, yeah, trying not to spoil anything for people because it's only been out for a week and we're going to do, I think a spoiler cast at some point in the next few weeks to just kind of, talk about the story and all the mechanics freely because last week was extremely spoiler free this week I've we've loosened up a little bit but still keeping it very very locked down on uh on the spoilers but um what are your favorite things you've seen in the the community as far as tears of the kingdom is concerned um just in passing i saw a, a tiktok of someone that made a trojan horse i loved that i saw that, I- that as well yeah, like someone made a giant Trojan horse and then like ascended to get inside of it yeah. and then just let it sort of like roll down a hill up to a fort or something like it. I think it had a caption that was like, Ganon's going to have no idea what's coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or something. I was like, that's that's pretty good. Um, that, that was very funny. I've also noticed the, the weird trend that a lot of the videos of like people experimenting and do like just weird or like awful things involve Koroks. Oh, like, I love the torturing Koroks. <laughs> I, I, 
I only recently found out that you could even pick them up with ultra eggs. I, I thought you couldn't like you couldn't use it on living things, but then I had a situation where I had to you know move one. I was like, oh, okay, you can mess with them. Okay, it's because you're grabbing their backpack. Oh, okay, that makes sense then. Um, yeah, I had to uh, glue one to a log at one point. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, seeing some of the hilarious slash horrific things that people are doing to those Cora. I've seen people so. like attaching rockets to them and like just sending them into orbit basically or like oh they're Sid from Toy Story oh 100% I've seen people like build like a literal catapult and send them flying across Hyrule <laughs> I even saw a, uh, a photo where somebody had crucified a, a Cora. <laughs> <laughs> seemed very mean can uh, you uh, i'm wondering like i'm assuming they do this after they got the seeds i was like if you do it before does that like break the mission like if you fling them to another part of the map they just respawn right back where i'm they assuming were? they would I, I only interacted with the koroks when i was uh actually completing the missions and some of them it, it's very funny how like i'll be like i'll look at it and be like see where the the like green smoke is that you have to deliver them to and i'm like i ain't doing that i'm leaving <laughs> <laughs> some of them just seem like all right that's going to be more more uh effort than it's worth yeah i've had uh, i've done a few where it's like hey my friends across the river i got to get over there and i'm like oh you want me to like build you a whole thing and like well i <laughs> i i was on my way to do something and i didn't know it was going to be all of this uh, so you're on your own for now. Like I'll put, I'll mark you on the map later, but for now you and your friend are just going to have to send smoke <laughs> signals to each other or something. So. Yeah. It's um, some of those are maybe a little bit more trouble than they're worth, unless you're going for a completionist run. Uh, well, a catapult sounds like a good idea. I should build uh, one of those and just yeah, fling so them over. Basically. Yeah. You just attach two like planks, wooden planks uh, to each other and then get one of those Zonai devices that turns upright when you hit it. And that, and you put the Korok on the end of the the planks, and then when you have the thing go upright, the catapult stands upright and it sends him flying. Oh, okay. Um, I also like the skateboarding videos that we've seen, where people are attaching the minecarts to a shield, and then basically just Tony Hawk grinding down some of the rails. I've been putting rockets on the the, the bird gliders. Oh yeah. Like I uh, used that to get across because I saw like a, a tower that was really far away. And then I I stumbled upon rockets relatively recently. And that, that has really been a boon for me. And I strapped like four of them to the glider. And I was like trying to basically make the best sort of like green goblin gl glider I could. <laughs> and that thing went so fast. Like we like I was like Top Gun Maverick trying to go Mach 10 on that thing. Did you fall off? Because I've had it where, like, I will attach rockets to, like, mine carts or I'll attach it to gliders and I'll just go flying without the glider. Okay. No, I've uh, stayed on. I guess you're just better than me. Yeah, or it just got stickier feet. The, the control sticks are maybe the most useful out of all of the Zonai devices, how you can just, like, pilot anything or, like, control anything without having to, like, rely on, like, okay, I need to step right in order to turn this the glider uh the direction i need to go like no just get the control stick and then you can fly it wherever you want i still haven't found those in the wild i found like a pre-made like zonite cart randomly that had a control stick but i still haven't found like the piece i guess like a la carte basically you got to find the uh the zonite device dispensers and then you'll you'll start finding different ones because different dispensers have different items in them Right. That's what I figured. I was like, okay, I got a bunch of other stuff. I just haven't found, I guess, mm -hmm. one that gives me those. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping to find one soon. Because yeah, mm -hmm. that's just makes life easier for obviously steering and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. Just 
again, this is the ultimate, like, I'm finding myself thinking about dumb things I want to try when I'm not playing yet, which I, I don't know if I felt that since uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 when that came out, where that game was also, like, such an eye-opening experience of, like, wow, you can do anything, and I would sit in, like, middle school daydreaming like oh when i get home i'm gonna try to do this thing and see if it lets me (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a great feeling and tears of the kingdom does a great job and much in the way breath of the wild did and like recapturing those feelings you had a long time ago and you just assumed were gone forever because you're so like kind of desensitized or jaded by having thinking like you you've seen everything in gaming right like you've, you've seen everything that gaming has to offer there's no surprising you anymore and tears of the kingdom kind of does what breath of the wild did and like it's like nope you have not we are we can still surprise you yeah would you say that uh tears of the kingdom does what breath of the wild don't so let's get to the news marcus um (laughs) the the news for tears of the kingdom that's what that whole that was all preamble to the news um that yeah believe it or not tears of the kingdom has sold very very well um over its first weekend so three days it is the fastest selling zelda game ever Reaching 10 million copies sold already. That was only the, the first weekend. I mean, this is not even taking into account the week that has just happened. And, uh, you know, when you take into account that the game was at its cheapest $70 a pop, that means the game has grossed more than $700 million in just three days. Yeah. And also more impressive is that this, remember, this is the first $70 Nintendo game. So yeah. that extra $10 apparently did not slow down sales. People were willing to be to shell that out. It's it's wild because like it's I, I I was speculating with Kyle last episode like where is this even gonna land in terms of the sales and we'll do that in just a second I want to get your 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 thoughts on that but four million of those ten million copies were in the Americas which makes it the fastest selling Nintendo game ever in those territories yeah so, uh, yeah that's it's doing well yeah I did a double take when I saw that because I was thinking like really even more so than like. I don't know, even like Wii Sports, like the original Wii Sports. And it's like, yeah, I mean, wow. they couldn't keep okay. up with demand with the Wii Sports, right? Because that was bundled in with the Wii and the Wii consoles were just hard to find. I, I don't think they could sell 10 million Wiis when it first launched because I don't think they had 10 million Wiis um, at, at the start anyway, over a three-day stretch. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. But um, but so here's the exercise that I did with Kyle last week. Um, these numbers are from the end of March, but uh, this is the most recent numbers Nintendo has given us. Sales numbers to crack the top 10, Tears of the Kingdom would need to sell 15.4 million copies to overtake Ring Fit Adventure in the top 10 Switch games in terms of sales. Uh, the top selling Switch game of all time is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at about 54 million copies. And then for reference, Breath of the Wild is currently number four with about 30 million copies sold, which means Tears of the Kingdom has already sold a third of what Breath of the Wild sold. (laughs) Uh, Where do you think this is going to land? Do you think it's going to beat Ring Fit Adventure at 15.4 million copies? I mean, that seems like a given, right? Yeah. Okay. Next up is Super Mario, uh, New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe at 15.41 million. So that's very, very close. That's like 300,000 more, or no, that's less than 300,000 more. that's like less than 30,000 copies uh, to get to New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. I'm assuming you think it's going to beat that as well. Yes. Uh, Super Mario Party at 19.14 million. Oh, yeah. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which is still climbing, I would imagine, but it's at 22 million. Yes. Okay, now we're getting into some heavy hitters here. Super Mario Odyssey at t- nearly 26 million. 
<sighs> it's because like you know mario odyssey obviously has such a head start uh, but it's slowing down right like it, it was in the in the subsequent three months it sold less than a million copies okay i was gonna ask like because I, I know i saw like a story that mario games overall had picked up because of the movie so i, I mean they, they might as well they, they so here's the thing these numbers are from the end of march which okay. means it's before the mario movie came to theaters yeah, because I, I, I heard something where like, oh, yeah, Mario games across the board have got like a, a bit of a shot in the arm in sales. That would make uh, sense. I, I'm going to say yes. Okay. Pokemon Sword and Shield at 25.82 million. So just over Mario Odyssey. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. I... Okay, now here's, here's where it gets interesting. Breath of the Wild, just under 30 million copies. Ugh. <sighs> You know, this one has, it's such, yeah, it's off to such a strong start. And this one has the, uh, the sort of like, I guess, goodwill from Breath of the Wild. I mean, all the Zelda games have goodwill, but now that it's like, oh yeah, the sequel to that thing that blew people's minds mm -hmm. and it's, you know, arguably better. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm, you know what, by like, by the time, I don't know, whenever we consider it's like lifetime or life cycle wins i'm gonna say yes i think it out out sells breath of the wild only because i think you know people are gonna buy this game first now even though it's a sequel you know it's still the new one and you don't necessarily need to play breath of the wild to play this one um yeah sure and also because <laughs> nintendo sales are so like laughable that it's like you may as well just buy the sequel <laughs> if you're gonna pay that much money anyway yeah i don't know and also uh, I mean, it does have the benefit of a, a massive installed user base from the start whereas breath of the wild you know it, it was a launch title for switch so it didn't have that right off the starting line number yeah also it doesn't have the benefit of those uh that wii u audience that massive wii u audience <laughs> is gone so it's That's a real true. it's only one platform that you can get tears of the kingdom on all right, so next up would be Super Smash Brothers Ultimate at 31 million. So that's uh, about 1 million more than what Breath of the Wild is currently at. <sighs> Another million. Man, see, Smash is such an evergreen game. I think it's always going to be popular. But it only sold half a million in the three months prior. Okay. It's. I'm trying to predict, like, just, like, what the attitude will be for tears of the kingdom in a, even a year from now of like, does the mechanics like, does it, does it still feel like as must play as like original breath of the wild did of like, Oh, there's really no open world game quite like this. And like, I don't like tears of the kingdom doesn't have that same hook as cool as ultra hand is. I mean, maybe it is for some people. Here's but. what I think about ultra hand though, is it lends itself so well to social media and YouTube clips because yeah. of ultra hand and like all the weird stuff that you can do. I think it's going to sell. I, my prediction is going to end up at number three above super smash brothers ultimate. Uh, I'm amending my prediction from last. I think last time I said number five beating out sword and shield, but falling short of breath of the wild. But these early numbers are so impressive that I'm, I'm amending it to say it's going to end up at number three, which means that it would only fall short of animal crossing new horizons, which is uh, over 42 million and Mario Kart eight deluxe, which like I said, is over 54 million. Yeah. I was going to say my cutoff is <clears throat> animal crossing. 
Yeah, so um, that, that's my new prediction. It's going to end up number three based on these early numbers. Now, of course, like maybe everybody who wanted it already bought it, <laughs> and uh, we're going to see a massive drop-off, but I, I think that it's going to have a strong subsequent few days after that uh, that initial... Th- I mean, remember, that 10 million number is only people who bought it Friday, Saturday, or Sunday of last week. That's not yeah. including people who've gotten it this week. Maybe people were waiting for payday to roll around. Maybe they just hadn't gotten a chance to go to a store if they wanted a physical copy. There are plenty of reasons to believe that that number is only going to keep skyrocketing. It's not going to really slow all that dramatically. Yeah, some people waiting for that Black Friday $5 discount. Oh, when Black Friday rolls around. This is, I mean, this is the biggest game of the year. And that you have to imagine that a bunch of people are going to be buying this when it comes time for like gift giving occasions. Exactly. Especially depending on what uh, Nintendo has planned for the holidays. Because right now they have nothing. But, you know, that can change in an instant, as it often does with them. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, honestly, that's what we were going to be talking about this week. But we're going to end up talking about it next week, probably. Unless something huge hits. And then we're going to keep pushing that down the road. <laughs> um, exactly. Also, real quick, I don't think I've ever wanted to be a company more so than Nintendo of 2023. Because, my God, what a role <laughs> they are on this year between this and the success of the Mario movie and, and opening the second theme park. Like, they are just rolling in it right now. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And I, I did ask um, Shigeru Miyamoto what it's like being at Nintendo in this, like, age of affluence that has existed <laughs> for the past six years, really. Ever since the Switch came out, like, Nintendo yeah. has just been on fire you ask them how often he dives into his money bin and swings yeah. around. <laughs> how, how does it feel to be the the, the jovial Scrooge McDuck? Like, <laughs> you don't have any of the toxic traits of Scrooge McDuck, but you do have the pit of money, especially now that he's an executive producer of a billion-dollar animated film. So, I mean, I'm sure he is seeing more money from that. As I think it was Kyle who pointed out that like he probably made more money being an executive producer of the Mario movie than he did of any video game ever. Yeah, Kyle told me that on a replay episode and we joked around saying like he's going to he's going to get like the Hollywood fever and he's going to stop making games. He's going to be like, "Oh, whatever the next Mario we're working on, cancel that. The real money isn't film. <laughs> what what have we been wasting our time on all these years? We could have been making billions a long time ago." <laughs> Do you think that uh Shigeru Miyamoto gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Oh, um, have they ever done it for they haven't done it for any video game no but I, like right? i feel like but, he would be the one right i mean yeah especially now that he's an ex- again an executive producer of a billion dollar movie they've i mean they've put like filmmakers on the walk of fame it doesn't necessarily have to be like forward facing like yeah. performers right like directors uh, does kevin or, feige have one you'd think he would at this point I don't know, but I mean, he probably will eventually. But like, does Steven Spielberg or any like like Orson Welles, do they have one? I mean, they, they have musicians and everything on it, too. It's not just actors. Well, I know that, but I'm just saying like, because he's such a behind the scenes guy. I mean, even though he he's like a public figure, but not in the, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, he's not going on stage, or at least not anymore. <laughs> like, he hasn't gone on stage playing games. And if he was, he might be disqualified for that, uh... Skyward Sword E3 demo, but uh, <laughs> I, I mean, mean there are producers and and radio hosts and executives that have uh, places or stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So I'm just wondering if he is Hollywood. the one that breaks it down. Like, is he the first like video game person to jump onto the Hollywood Walk of Fame stars? 
Yeah. I mean, if not him, if we're going by like industry importance, it's like him or like a Nolan Bushnell or like, I mean, it has to be Miyamoto. Like first and foremost. If they ever did it, it would be Miyamoto hands down, right? Like he would have to be the, the first one if they ended up uh, honoring somebody from the games industry. Yeah, that just sounds weird. I don't know, like just Hollywood and video games, but again, they had musicians. So and now he has Hollywood uh, credentials. Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess so. so yeah, it, why it, not? it makes sense. Maybe that's the excuse that they have to start including some of these uh, these game makers. Does that mean Charles Martinet can get one as the longtime voice <laughs> of the most iconic video game character in the world? Nope, but Chris Pratt can. All right, we're gonna. <laughs> Uh, move on to the next news piece here. Uh, no more Tears of the Kingdom talk for this episode, I don't I don't think. Uh, but uh, we used to always kind of surface Pokemon news first, but I don't think we could really do Zelda like that a week after launch. Um, so we're getting to Pokemon news second this episode. And the news is that we have a new 3.0.0 update for Pokemon Home. And uh, the big news from this one is that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet are now compatible with Pokemon Home. And if you link your copy of Scarlet or Violet to Pokemon Home, you will get special versions of Sprigatito, Fuecoco, and Quaxley with hidden abilities. And then the other updates are you can convert Pokemon Home points that you earn from having a number of Pokemon in your boxes to League points to uh, in Scarlet and Violet. And then there are other updates, like you can see game-specific details about your Pokemon. You can change your Pokemon's moves at, in Pokemon Home now. And then there are going to be some new challenges and stickers that you can earn do you use Pokemon Home at all? Because I, I oh, think it's an amazing thing to like be able to transfer your Pokemon from one game to another, but I never feel the urge to like bring my Pokemon over. I mean, Kyle, I don't even play the games, let alone any of the side apps. But um, remind me, me, Kyle. Oh, Kyle. Oh, sorry, uh, Brian. <laughs> excuse me. Was that a Kyle question? Did I? I, I don't know. I don't know what. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, uh, Brian pretending to be Kyle. Uh, no. I, I, I have not. But okay. remind me, is Pokemon Home, is that, that's not the, that's different from the bank one, right? Where it's, you can move Pokemon between games? It's the new version of that, basically. Okay. Which Pokemon one is, Bank was uh, on 3DS. This is the Switch version. It's just called Pokemon Home. It's where all your Pokemon can be transferred to and from the various games. And yeah, it just makes it so you can have Pokemon that you wouldn't otherwise have. And they usually add it several months after the, the game launches to that game because they want, I guess they want everybody to start anew and not like have like Mewtwo right off the bat. Which one was the lifestyle app where you like brush your teeth uh, and stuff? Pokemon uh, teeth, whatever they call it. Pokemon teeth. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They've really so many. There's also Pokemon sleep that just got like kind of resurfaced where it's like, Hey, you can sleep with Pikachu which I did not, that, that came out wrong. They just make apps for every individual like activity of your life. We have Pokemon eat. It just, whenever you eat Pokemon <laughs> dance and in like little AR space in front of the table. It, What's like, next Pokemon go that makes you take walks. Yeah. That'd be dumb. Yeah. That'd be stupid. Nobody would play that. Uh, but anyway, this, this update arrives on May 23rd and uh, yeah, you can start transferring Pokemon to and from Scarlet and Violet, which if you're still playing Scarlet and Violet, that's probably a very cool thing, but I'm, probably waiting for the expansions to kind of dive back into to that game. Uh, so a couple episodes ago, Marcus, I talked about Super Mega Baseball 4, and yesterday the developers put out a blog post detailing all that's new with this entry. First of all, have you heard about this series at all? I have. I've never played them, but I, I'm aware. 
Do you like any sports game? I know you play wrestling games, um, but are there any other sports games that really grab your attention? Um, not really, because I, I don't watch sports in real life, and I'm more of an like arcadey sports fan. Well, this is right. This is right up your alley, then, probably, because this is more of an arcade-facing baseball game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm aware. I just never thought to give him a chance, maybe because I, man, I can't remember the last baseball game I played. It might have been like Ken Griffey Jr. on Super Nintendo. That's the best. I love those Ken Griffey Jr. games. I, I poured so many hours into the N64 one where I, I figured out how to game the trade logic. So I would start every season as the Mariners because they had Griffey. They had so many great players on the on the team back then. And then by the end of it, I would have every good player on my team and I would just be unstoppable. I would just basically go undefeated. I would I would make a it would be almost as fun to try and trade for the best players in the game to get them on my team than it would be to actually play the game. But then. When I would play the game, I'd be hitting like six grand slams a game. It was just a blast. Yeah, me and my brother and my cousins, when we were really little, we would have basically little tournaments around that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, it's good times. I, Whatever. Why didn't they bring that back? Just even just put King Griffey Jr., even though he's retired and I don't even know what he's doing now. But like, let's just put him on a on a game again. Well, just... MLB The Show has had a good relationship with him over the years. They um, have him in some of like the the fmvs that they play before like a career it'll be like oh what's what's it like starting a major league career and they'll have ken griffey jr talking about it and then they have a retro mode i don't know if you know about this but there's a retro mode in mlb the show where you it, it has kind of like the same perspectives as um as the old ken griffey jr games and then when you do like a, a play or like hit a home run or something like that ken griffey jr's voice will actually come over and commentate a little bit the way he used to in the snes games like your outfielder will go like do a diving catch and you'll, you'll hear Ken Griffey Jr. Go, man, what a catch the way he used to in the old games. I hope it's still in the like crappy, like sound file. (laughs) Like it just sounds really compressed. And I think for a while they did have like a pixelated graphics option, but I don't, I think the sound is pretty crisp. Um, I don't know if they still have the pixel graphics option. I only played a few, uh, a few rounds of the the retro mode when I did the review earlier this year, but it's a good game, and like the retro mode really does feel like you're playing an old like SNES or Sega Genesis baseball game. Oh, nice! But he's not in Super Mega Baseball, right? Because that's I don't know. They haven't announced the so the, the, up to this point, Super Mega Baseball Four has only had fictional characters, much in the way that the Griffey games did back in the day, yeah. um, up until they got the license. But they did announce that because they're under EA Sports now, they had the resources to get. Uh, over 200 legends in the game. And the only one I think they've announced so far is David Ortiz. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they got Griffey because like, you know, they said they have legends spread out across various eras and you can choose like teams by the era of like characters. Like you can mix match basically the characters that they have, the fictional characters with like the legends from different eras. But um, yeah, so they just to get to the news here, they had a blog post detailing all that's new with this entry, and uh, it's going to have refreshed character designs, including a ton of new heads, hair models, hair colors, body types, and you can use all of those in your custom characters if you want. And then there's a bunch of new animations, six new stadiums, and improved user interface. And uh, it comes to Switch and every other major console on June 2nd. So it's uh, 
it's coming up pretty fast here. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. I, I was, I've never put a ton of time into it. I played a little bit of super mega baseball two and three, but uh, you know, four is the one that I'm really planning on diving in head first. Basically. Does this sound anything like you would check out? Uh, eh, probably not. <laughs> At least not. On, <laughs> unless, I mean, if I was like, if I got a code for it, I'd be like, sure. Why not? Again, I haven't played a, a baseball game in decades, but what this, sounds more I would appealing be... to you? MLB the show's retro mode or this? You know, it's funny. I was going to say that I have considered playing the new MLB the show just because I was really interested in the, like the uh, the Negro League stuff mm-hmm. that they added, like the historical mode, and I was like, oh, that actually sounds pretty cool. I I might check that out. It's awesome. Um, so I guess maybe by extension, MLB the show, <laughs> but. Uh, I don't know. Have you played the previous Mega Baseball? Like, are they good games? They're fun. They're, I, I've not put a ton of time into two or three, but I did check them both out. It's it's more of just like, you know, I couldn't devote enough time to it just because I, I have to check out so many different games. But it's, um, it's one that I'm really looking forward to playing for because I had a good time with what I did play. And I love, like, games that give you a ton of customization options, like, especially sports games. Like, I used to love going into triple play gold and creating all these characters to make it so like the rosters were up to date and trading. I would read the the newspaper in the sports section every single day and look at the transaction wire and I would update the rosters before like online roster updates were a thing. And oh, then wow. I would do the same thing for like um, various, like there was a game I had on PC called uh, Tony La Russa Baseball 2 and it had like a bunch of legends in the game, but you could edit every single player. So I would go through and I would edit every player in the game to be the current roster. And it was, it was so <laughs> tedious. And I always spent more time editing the rosters than I did like playing the game itself, aside from maybe triple play gold, which is, I would say my favorite baseball game of all time. Okay. But like, yeah, I'm, this is, this game seems like it should be right up my alley. So I'm, gonna try to play a lot of this a lot of super mega baseball 4 and everything i hear about it it sounds better and better every time the developers release a new thing and this is the first time they've been developing a game under the full like umbrella of ea sports like ea sports acquired them i think a year after mega baseball 3 came out and now they have like you know they've they've remained largely independent in terms of their development it sounds like but now they just have the added resources of electronic arts which you know as long as electronic arts isn't like, hey, you gotta fill it with microtransactions, it seems like a, a a net win for them. Now you mentioned they add legends. Did they ever add like fictional baseball players? Like, because then I, like, if you say I can play as uh, Danny Glover's character in Angels in the Outfield, or Benny the Jet Rodriguez from uh, from Sandlot, yeah, or they one of the fields is just straight up Gerald's field from Hey Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> then, I need Arnold and Gerald in my uh, on my team alongside David Ortiz and Ken Griffey Jr. There's a dangerous lumber mode where every time you hit the ball, you knock someone out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish that they had the, all these licenses, but I don't think they have them as of now. <laughs> all right. Well, whoever's listening that can make this happen, if you can get like the crossover baseball game, then then I will I will play your game. I would love Gerald Field as a, like an unlockable field and literally any like although MLB the show does have a uh, stadium creator, you could make Gerald Field potentially. They just released a um, a kaiju update for their stadium creator, <laughs> so you could add kaiju in, like out in the outfield. Oh yeah, I want to play as Madonna in a league of their own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it. Madonna's likeness is is up for grabs. Pretty cheap, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so here's a complete shifting of gears. Uh, this is a story that we've been following for a little bit here, which seems unrelated, but it is related. Uh, the last we heard was that a UK regulator group said it would block the Activision Blizzard acquisition by Microsoft. And I'm reading this from uh, Axios's excellent reporting on the subject. The latest news is that the European Union has approved the $69 billion bid that Microsoft has made for uh, Activision Blizzard. But the United States uh, Federal Trade Commission has already sued to block the deal because they're like, yeah, we the only way we're going to approve this if we're going we're gonna to give you a bunch of requests and this is conditional upon full compliance of Microsoft to these, these uh, requests. I don't know what the full list of requests are or what the, the list is. But um, the reason that we're talking about this and giving this brief update is because part of the deal is that Microsoft would commit to bringing Call of Duty to Nintendo consoles for 10 years. And right. uh, according to this report, the bid actually expires in July. So like it's coming up here. But if Activision and Microsoft both want to extend the bid, they can. And again, that's uh, from Axios's reporting on the subject, which they've I think they've been doing about as good of a job as anybody. So uh, kudos to them on reporting on this every step of the way basically do you think this is going to go through i'm i'm starting to not care <laughs> Either, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you like this saga of like okay you got to prove will they won't they <laughs> yeah this 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 regulator is like no thank you and then we're suing them being like oh yeah well if you give us call it's like i i it's like i have no like horse in this race you know, it's like I, I almost find it weird the sort of like cheerleading that is developed around this <laughs> from like some like I guess Xbox fans or or Sony fans that just want to see it fail, not even because of like monopoly concerns, just like take that Xbox, haha. <laughs> you know, like just this is just like another dumb log on the stupid console war fire that I, I love corporations. Yeah, you're like I. T- I just I almost just wanted to be over <laughs> regardless of the outcome and it's sounding like it's not going to be over because it was the last like maybe that's changed now but I remember when the the UK first blocked it I think it was estimated that it could drag on for like maybe upwards of another three years and I was like oh god <laughs> <laughs> like no don't don't say that <laughs> like, we'll be talking about it finally happening and Xbox will have a new console out <laughs> right it's like will we be alive when will we this be alive? Wraps up? <laughs> like that's like a real question like will I live to see the end of this thing <laughs> <laughs> so like I I, I don't care Brian <laughs> I just, fair enough um, do, do you have a I mean, do you have a prediction? Do you think it's going to go through or not? I think eventually it is going to go through. And I think the reason for it is that just, you know, rich and powerful companies tend to get what they want, regardless of any kind of of governmental interference or intervention. Like, if you have enough money, you can push something through. Yeah, of all the lessons to teach your kids, that is certainly the one that rings most true, you could say. You know, be honest, don't lie. And rich and powerful companies get what they want every time. (laughs) Never forget. Basically. Uh, But yeah, I'm kind of with you there where it's like, I just don't feel like I don't care all that much. That's why I'm kind of trying to keep this brief in terms of this subject. And if it happens, it happens. And cool. If it doesn't. I mean, it seems like Microsoft is committed to making it so that like some of the biggest franchises and games continue to appear on multi-platform but it's it's more of a, a matter of just like 
how much is this really going to impact us as players? And I mean, ultimately, we're you know we're seeing Starfield. It's only on Xbox and PC. Are we going to start seeing that with other Activision titles that aren't called Call of Duty with like this this uh, agreement that Microsoft has in place? Yeah, and I think also because just as an enthusiast, I, I own everything, so it's like I'm not losing anything either way. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'll I'll be able to play all those games somewhere uh, on a on a thing that I own. So outside of like the only fear of like okay, this goes through, then down the line something catastrophic happens or the xbox brand just sinks and then drags all those studios that they own with them yeah uh that's you know a a real concern but other than that it's like whatever man just some billion dollar company is getting richer and has more ips under their belt (laughs) Mm -hmm. it would be very wild to have call of duty and elder scrolls under the same umbrella though i mean for them yeah yeah, that's a huge that would That's a huge be get. a very weird turn of events that all those things would fall underneath the Microsoft umbrella. Yeah. Again, it's I'm just more ambivalent to wings is like, okay, then I just play it on my other plastic box Honestly, that plays video games. <laughs> the biggest thing that I could see happening, this has nothing to do with Nintendo, but the biggest benefit to players that I could see if this does eventually go through is that theoretically that means a lot of Activision games would start showing up on Game Pass. Yeah. That's that's a good point. That's the only reason I could see like cheerleading this is if you think that as a Game Pass subscriber, you are going to start seeing a lot more benefits from it. I mean, look at all the Xbox first party titles that are on there already. Like it's it's a huge list. And that's the main reason, I think, aside from all the cool indie games that pop up there. I think that's the main reason to have Game Pass is like I didn't have to buy Halo Infinite. I didn't have to buy Gears 5. I didn't have to buy Forza Horizon 5. All those games just were included with my subscription. And if that ends up being the case with more Activision titles, then yeah, that's that's the reason to cheerlead this this deal going through. Yeah. I would say one thing I if I I would only want to see this go through strictly to see them uh pull off the Call of Duty thing. Because when he announced that, they said that the Switch version or, or I guess any Nintendo version would have feature parity with the Xbox and PlayStation mm-hmm. ones. And I was like you sure you want to promise that? Because, <laughs> you know, modern Call of Duties, those things are like 100,000 gigs now. <laughs> and, you know, they do a million things. It's like, can you pull that off on the Switch or really? Well, that was the UK regulators saying, like, you know, we don't see how the current Nintendo hardware could run Call of Duty in a comparable quality. That was one of their points of contention when they they tried to block it. Yeah, and I was like, I kind of want to see them try because I would, I mean, either they succeed and it's like a technological marvel or it falls flat and it's kind of funny. Um, but either way, it's like maybe you should just say that you're just breaking Call of Duty and then, you know, you just rework it to fit, you know, to perform in the hardware. It doesn't have to, maybe it does its own thing. They used to do that with the Wii where the Wii version would sometimes be a completely different game mm-hmm. than the PlayStation and Xbox version. So I was like, maybe that's what you do for Call of Duty. But they were like, no, 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 it's going to be... All of it. Warzone, we got it, man. Maybe Microsoft knows something we don't about what Nintendo's future plans are, because by the time this goes through, we're probably going to be halfway through the next Nintendo console's life cycle. I was going to say, we're going to be halfway through our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's all we have on on that. Uh, You know, a little bit ago, a leaker said that a game called Mortal Kombat 1 was coming to Switch, and I don't, I don't know about you, but when I 
saw that, I thought they meant like the original Mortal Kombat was going to come to the eShop, like maybe like a remastered version or something. Right. But now we know what they meant because yesterday Warner Brothers revealed the next entry in the Mortal Kombat series. And wouldn't you know it, it's called Mortal Kombat 1. Now, hold on, Brian. There's only one way to properly announce a Mortal Kombat game or, or like, and I hope this comes through on the mic, but uh, bear with me here. You can edit this to make it tighter if you want. Here we go. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'm There's glad we special we guest Shang Tsung stopping by, <laughs> letting everybody now it's officially a new Mortal Kombat. We can talk about it now. All right. Well, it's essentially a reboot of the series following the events of Mortal Kombat Eleven. So this is like our second reboot because Mortal Kombat Nine was a reboot. Right. And now it's, uh... Mortal Kombat Eleven and the end of Mortal Kombat Eleven uh aftermath ended up leading directly into what looked like it was gonna be a reboot, and sure enough it is. Yeah, it's weird because I've seen some fans trying to throw semantics about like, well, it's not like a reboot as like as much of a hard reset as MK9 was, which was the 2011 one that was just called Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean, I mean, I know it's like a new timeline that uh, Fire God Liu Kang is, I guess what we call him now, <laughs> established. And so it's like, yeah, it is a fresh slate, but I guess it's also a separate timeline. So it's like, does that mean the, but like, and it's been a while since I've finished, uh, you know, MK11 and the expansion, but like, I don't know if, I, I don't think the other original timeline exists like parallel to this. I think that was just straight up destroyed. Or Yeah, I think so. Because right? it ended with, uh, and spoilers for that, but like it ended basically with like a, uh, like an apocalyptic battle, much in the way that Mortal Kombat Armageddon did, which set this table for uh, MK9. So it, I think it's very much in the same vein as uh, the way Mortal Kombat 9 was a reboot. This is the same way, I think. Yeah, but regardless of how it works, I am so excited. That reveal trailer was really good. So uh, bloody. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> they made yeah. blood in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, you know, even though they didn't show gameplay, it was all like cinematic. I, I actually caught me off guard because I didn't think they would do that in a cinematic trailer, like the the sort of like fatality stuff. But uh, by God, did they do it. Um, but even before that, just seeing the characters' new looks, I thought the... Uh, for some reason, I got like super pumped with the Katana and Melina section, like seeing them in a little royal carriage. Like, I don't know, just something about that. I was like, oh, that just looks like a cool scene. And, you know, seeing them together and also like Liu Kang implying that like, hey, you know, the classic rivalries you remember might not be the same here. Maybe enemies are friends now, you know? Yeah, we saw Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Like, they looked like they were about to fight and then they decided to get along. They decided to do a friendship. But you know what's weird is that this timeline was handcrafted by Liu Kang himself, right? Mm-hmm. And the, uh, with the idea of like, okay, it's going to be a peaceful timeline. Like, things should be better. But then in the trailer, when I show Melina, she still has the Tarkatan, like, face, which would imply that she was still, like, an experiment of Shang Tsung, who... Or do you mean Shao Kahn? Well, well or, both. Right, yeah. Shang Tsung did the actual, like, making her. Sure. Um, But, like... You know, and again, spoilers for Aftermath, Shang Tsung basically got deleted <laughs> from existence. Well, not um, anymore, because here he comes in the, the story that they're showing. Well, yeah, that's the other thing of like, okay, so like Melina, as we know her in general, you would think she wouldn't exist because Liu Kang would probably purge his timeline of the, his two biggest enemies being, you know, Shao Kahn and Shang Tsung. But it's like, okay, you think she would just maybe be like normal? 
or you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I'm curious about that. Like, oh, he kept that the same. Is like, is that like, <laughs> does he have like some weird sixth sense of humor? Uh, like, nah, you still have to deal with this. I mean, you know, maybe he was just like, hey, you, you're, you're alive, but you're now friendly with people instead of like a, this weird psycho person. And I won't fix your face. Yeah, and I won't fix your face. You're stuck you, with that. Sister of my girlfriend. I'm not a plastic surgeon. I'm a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an all powerful. I'm an all powerful. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just some details on this game. The story mode is back, which I would argue NetherRealm does better than any fighting game developer out there. I mean, oh, any, any disagreement down. there? No, whatsoever. They they've set the bar for it. And they, to me, yeah, no one has, no one has touched it. Yeah, I mean, Tekken has done some cool stuff. Street Fighter 6 looks like it's doing some pretty cool stuff with its single player mode, but I think that NetherRealm has is just in a class in itself when it comes to these story modes, whether you're talking the Injustice series or the Mortal Kombat series dating back to MK9. Like it's just a whole nother level from any other fighting game developer. Um, then we know several classic fighters are back. We've talked about a few of them here, but in the debut trailer, they confirmed Liu Kang, Kun Lao, Scorpion Sub-Zero, Raiden, Katana, Melina, Johnny Cage, and Shang Tsung, who is a uh, pre-order bonus, I'm led to believe. And uh, in the press release, it said, quote, and many others. So we might have a pretty big roster at launch, actually. I wonder how many of them are, like, how many will be returning? Again, given a new timeline, it's like, will we see the combat kids show up? Of which I really only want one of them, <laughs> which is uh, Cassie Cage, who is one of my, maybe my favorite of, like, the new characters of, oh, like, yeah. the, the recent trilogy. Uh, but, yeah, but also it opens the doors for a lot of cool new faces you know which is you know it's cool as always see the 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 established cast i'm always most excited to see like ooh, who do they add to this you know like a, a new idea because i i think that the recent trilogy maybe had the best batch of new characters they've ever done personally yeah they did a good good job with it i just hope that in uh Liu kang's new timeline uh he recasts sonya blade away from ronda rousey Oh yeah, he like purged her of Ronnie Rousey. <laughs> you have soul. a different voice. <laughs> Melina's <laughs> face is still the same, but for some reason Sonya Blade sounds different. Hey, you know, <laughs> he's a he's a god works in mysterious ways. Yes, uh, but there's also going to be a new feature called Cameo Fighters, and of course it's spelled with a K. Yes. But you can use elements um, of power. <laughs> you can use a unique roster of partner characters to assist you during matches. So basically, assist trophies for smash brothers or the kind of assist characters like in like the marvel versus capcom series it sounds like yeah i'm curious because it said unique roster which to me implies that they won't be playable in the traditional sense they'll be limited to cameo roles yeah so, so i'm that... wondering like is that how they squeeze in characters that maybe can't fit the like regular roster of like like uh, i think of someone like rain who like hasn't been in like the launch roster since like mk3 yeah <laughs> and i think he came in like the later editions of mk3 i was like is he just like a cameo character now you know what i mean yeah i wouldn't mind that like i i think that that's a cool way to get a lot of like kind of just fan service uh elements into this game like hey remember this obscure character remember meat from <laughs> mortal kombat was it deadly alliance or armageddon one of those games one of just... his, everyone's favorite just like a basically a person turned inside out just a <laughs> disgusting character it was but a like, dark nobody, time for the series it was um but i think that a lot of people are actually probably going to be upset when they're like like smash brothers fans like when they're like oh my favorite character is only an assist trophy it's not like a full-on character i think that people are going to maybe get that that uh that feeling 
Oh yeah, like it's it's a double edged sword for sure. Like like I said, if it, if they announce rain as that, that's gonna piss a lot of people off because people like rain. But then it's it'd be weird if all the cameo characters were just new faces. I would be surprised if they did that. So it's like it's gotta be. It, they pretty much all have to be recognizable ones. They I have to imagine. walk a fine line with this, I think. Yeah, I guess it's going to come down to what the, I guess, the playable launch roster looks like. If it's good enough to be like, I don't mind if this person who hasn't been in a game in decades <laughs> is like an assist trophy. But then I don't, again, I don't want the Waluigi thing of like, oh, because he's an assist trophy, he can never be on the main roster. That's That sucks. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, again, it's going to be a very fine line there. Um, so there are three editions that they announced. There's the standard edition, which is just the game. And sure enough, it's going to be $70. There's the premium edition, which is the game plus the combat pack, early access to the game five days before launch, and then 1,250 dragon crystals, which is the in-game currency. And, uh, this was a fun little announcement. The combat pack is going to feature a Johnny Cage skin with the likeness of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, that almost buried the lead there a little bit of like, wait, what? You got... You, you got who and it's like is that their way of getting around like just putting jean-claude van damme as a character well they you know, had like i mean johnny cage's original character was modeled after jean-claude van damme he was supposed to oh. be the the digitized actor but then he signed on to do the street fighter movie and decided to do that instead right yeah and that's why i've always kind of thought it'd be cool if they just did you know like okay maybe one of his film roles he's just a guest character like they've done with terminator and everybody else but uh, maybe this is like the next best thing. Yeah, they're but... actually putting him in the game as the character he was originally supposed to be. I think that's awesome. Do you think they? Do you think they put him as Johnny Cage, like whatever vision they had of him as Johnny Cage, like that version of him, or is it is it just straight up like modern day Jean Claude? I would assume it's like prime Jean Claude. I mean, yeah, right? when they when 90s. they put when they put Rambo in Mortal Kombat 11, they didn't do like current Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, I was wondering because, you know, like, I think it's like Jean-Claude Van Damme. I'm in. Well, there we go. I was hoping for double team Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I mean, it's all that Den- same era, right? Dennis Rodman in there with him. <laughs> Dennis Rodman is his cameo fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's favorite uh, forgettable buddy cop movie that also had Mickey Rourke as the bad guy. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so the combat pack also has six new playable post-launch characters. You'll get early access to those. And then five new cameo fighters, which I think are available at launch. I didn't make a note of that. That's the premium edition, which costs $110. Then there is the collector's edition, again, spelled with a K. And that comes with a bunch of stuff as well. That has uh, everything in the premium, plus a 16 and a half inch Liu Kang sculpture, an exclusive Liu Kang skin in-game, three exclusive art prints, a steel case, and uh, 1,450 additional dragon crystals for a total of 2,700. And I'm trying to bring up the price here. I had it. Uh, it is going to cost an undisclosed amount because they did not announce it. Um, anyway, no, it's $250. There we go. Um, so yeah, the collection edition sounds very cool, but also is $250, almost as much as a an all-new console. I think if you're a Switch owner, that's as much as a new Switch. So uh, have fun with that if you want that. Um, it's coming out on Switch plus all major consoles on September 19th with a beta yeah. planned for August. And if you pre-order, as I mentioned before, you get Shang Tsung plus access to the beta. So how did, how did you feel overall about this trailer? Are you, you fully in? Yeah. And just to clarify really quick, uh, when you said all major platforms, it's only current gen. It's not coming to PS4 and Xbox One. 
Okay. I, I know some people were there. There's a little bit of a mild freak out about that, but yeah, this, this is the first MK that's going fully current gen. It's weird um, because people are freaking out so much about like, Oh, there's no like reason to upgrade your, your system. Cause all the games are coming to Xbox one and PS4. And then when the games start coming to only Xbox Series X and PS5, people freak out because, oh, we wanted to keep playing. on. It's like, no, you uh, we're we're three and a half years into this life cycle. It's time to upgrade all the systems to that. And I know that that like not that's not an option for everybody, but like that's just the way that the technology yeah, it, it has to happen. Forward. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can't just. All right. When PS5 exists, but every single game is across both generations, like at a certain point developers need to start focusing on kind of pushing the tech forward yeah so just wanted to make sure in case you were on last gen and got your hopes up uh, <laughs> just to st stomp on those immediately um but yeah i i'm psyched i'm a gigantic mortal Kombat fan it's my not only my favorite fighting game series but it's just one of my favorite video game series in general mm -hmm. uh I love 11 for the most part. I, I, I'm most excited for the stories. I thought 11's story was maybe the best they'd ever done. Like, it's so much fun. I love that so entire wild. trilogy from 9, 10, and 11. That was so much fun playing those stories. Yeah, agreed. And, uh, you know, again, with this sort of being a, a clean slate, that opens a lot of doors for them to do basically whatever they want. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm really excited to see what NetherRealm does with that canvas. And I'm also, you know, in addition to the cameo fighter stuff, I'm, I want to see what comes back in terms of modes. Like, do we get a new crypt? Because I thought Eleven's crypt was really cool. Like exploring Shang Tsung's Island, oh, yeah, I thought that's was right. really fun. Uh, you know, do we get something like a bigger version of that or something completely different? Do they finally go back to <laughs> bringing back puzzle combat and com the cart racer thing? Do we, which I, I kind of still hold out hope for, honestly, because I, I like those modes in Deception. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, do we get those back or do we do something different? It, it's a lot of questions right now. And, you know, thankfully, the game is not far away. Yeah. Like, like I said earlier, September 19th with a beta in August. So... I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of news coming out of uh, the coming months, and hopefully we get a pretty good roster um, leading up to launch. Yeah. Also, I'm wondering if they keep the gear stuff. You know, they leaned oh, really yeah. big into that in the last one, which I was hit and miss. Like, I was lukewarm on it. Like, I didn't hate it, but I also, like, I could do without it. You were Luke uh, Kang. Say again? Nothing. Just, just move oh, on. Oh, wait. Just, I, okay, you said you were yeah. lukewarm. I said you were Luke Kang. Okay, I thought you were going to say I, I was Luke Kang because I mentioned the gear, which also works as a terrible pun. Mm. You know. But yeah, I wasn't a fan of the gear stuff in either Injustice or Mortal Kombat 11. I, I hope that they kind of leave that by the wayside. I know that was kind of a, a, a path towards monetization for them, but I hope it wasn't a successful one. I hope they just live <laughs> off of like the hope they crash and burn. I hope they just live off the sales of the game and the post-launch DLC because that's what I think is the meaningful way to spend your money on these in these games. Yeah, and Fire God no Liu Kang does not shine down on loot. He he deleted that from his universe. <laughs> he, de he deleted microtransactions from his timeline. <laughs> <laughs> not in my utopia. We should be so lucky. Um, but it really looks like we're on a one-way track when it comes to games getting more expensive. You know, we talked about Tears of the Kingdom was coming out at $70 a pop. Um, and it, even though Nintendo did tell me that the prices would be on a case-by-case -case basis, not just all AAA games are going to be $70 from here on out. And then we just talked about Mortal Kombat's going to be $70. Several other developers have been doing $70 for a little bit now. 
the next news piece is actually now it looks like Sega is potentially looking into raising its prices for AAA games. Mm. And this comes to us via Video Game Chronicles reporting on a Sega earnings call. Sega's quote was, in a global in the global marketplace, AAA game titles for consoles have been sold for $59.99 for many years, but titles sold at $69.99 have appeared in the last year. We would like to review the prices of titles that we believe are commensurate with price increases while also keeping an eye on market conditions. So what's your first reaction to this? Uh, the next Sonic Retro Collection is going to be $70. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a month away because we have Sonic Origins Plus in uh, June. So there you go. They're I like... hope I mean, that's already been announced, I think, as $40 if you don't own the game already. So that, that, at least that one is safe, it sounds like. But okay. I mean, I it makes sense that these game prices are going up, like prices on everything else are going up. I, I can tell you that much. Yeah, um, development's not getting any cheaper either. Yeah, budgets are getting higher, and games have been 60 bucks for a very long time, and it definitely sucks as a consumer who likes to buy these games. I will definitely say that. Uh, but I do I have hope that them saying, while also keeping an eye on market conditions, has some acknowledgement of them saying, like, yeah, well, also everything is very expensive right now, and we want people to still buy our games. Because that little $10 bump, it may not sound like a lot, but that is also if I'm on the the edge or like on the fence about a game, that ten dollar bump could be the deciding factor for me. Oh, absolutely! I mean, ten dollars—that's like a—that's a meal. Yeah. Some places you're like, I could get this sixty dollar game and like a Big Mac, <laughs> or I could just get the game. It's a that's a real decision that we have to grapple with every day now. <laughs> do we get a game or do we eat? <laughs> I, hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't come down to that. The classic battle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's kind of, uh, it's unfortunately inevitable from a consumer perspective, but I think that it's definitely a, uh, a reality we're going to have to accept going forward, especially as developers continue doing the, we're just going to jump exclusively to new gen consoles. Yeah. Because that's kind of like an excuse they could use. Like remember when uh, we went up from the the PS1 to the PS2, all those games went from $40 to $50. Yeah. And then it happened again when we went to the 360 and PS3 era. Yeah. to $60, which managed to stick for a long time. Yeah. And probably longer than it, it, it should have, honestly. But yeah, we were lucky to, to get away with it as long as we did. Yeah. I, I hope that prices eventually come back down, which, you know, history would tell you they don't. But once you kind of open Pandora's box and you have $70 games, that is uh, ultimately when that's just kind of the way forward. Yeah, the, we already the, told you that big corporations get what they want, no matter yeah. what. Okay. Um, but the thing that drives me crazy is when we have these $70 games and like one of the first companies to do it was 2K. And guess what the game they did it with was NBA 2K, which is one of the most notoriously riddled with microtransaction games out there. So that was kind yeah. of tone deaf. They, they really read the room on that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they literally that first game had an entire playable sequence with Jake, Jake from State Farm. Oh, that's where the bump came from. <laughs> they had to license Jake from State he's, Farm. He's not cheap, I hear. <laughs> I'm sure. But what, uh, was 2K before Sony? Because Sony was like the first, like I, the console makers to do it. I think they were simultaneous because it was okay. whenever they went to the new gen consoles. That's when they were like, yep, $70 now. And I think that 2K came out around that same time. Oh, okay. And I feel like 2K announced it before Sony did. Gotcha. But I don't know. They, they let 2K take that bullet first. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but speaking of Sega, we got word earlier this week that Sonic Prime is returning for more episodes on Netflix on July 13th. Hey! Did you watch any of the first set of episodes? I only watched the first one. and I'm bad with watching TV shows, admittedly. Um, but I watched the first one. I was like, okay, this seems like solid. Uh, I don't, you know, cool, I guess. Did you like it? I liked it okay. I would Where does rather it rank just... in like the pantheon of Sonic animated oh, shows for you? So the thing for me is like it's very hard. And I know this is the current trend. It's very hard for me to buy into a multiverse story, especially if that's the starting point. Right. Like there's no like history. Like we have the history of the games with these characters. Like, but they're they're like in this world where like, all right, Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Rouge are all friends and like doing stuff. And then Shadow's kind of like this like frenemy that they have. But it's like, I want some adventures with them just in this world before we go into like all these multiversal things. And I know that's the whole conceit of the show is it's a multiversal thing or a shatterversal thing, I think is how they refer to it because like the, the universes have shattered. But I don't know. It, it, it's weird like seeing like, all right, now this is like a Woodland Critters universe and here is Wait, here's like a pirate universe and it's like knuckles is a captain of a pirate ship and it's not the knuckles you know it's like just this at this point just, knuckles at this point it's just it feels like mario party 2 where it's like you go to this one universe and suddenly like mario is dressed up like a cowboy and it's like, yeah, well, like that's not really different universes it just feels like just different cosplays <laughs> the it feels that like, way and like that's yeah. the one thing i don't like i think that the show is well made and it's well written but like i just don't like the core conceit of the show which is like we're going around to these different universes and all the characters you know and love are there but they aren't the characters that you know and love yeah this one has a hat <laughs> yeah he wears a hat and he does a little dance when you say his name and it's like okay I guess that's just what we're doing this episode. And you I, could have I was, literally done anything with this. <laughs> I hope the next episode has a different, a different character that I like more. And that's, I don't know. It just, I, I don't like that, that aspect of it. And unfortunately that is like the major part of the show, but that's kind of my overall thoughts on Sonic prime. And I'll probably watch this second set of episodes, which it feels weird by the way there. And maybe this is a little bit soapboxy given like the current climate of like the writer's strike, but it feels weird that Netflix and and Sega, to a lesser extent, are kind of dancing around referring to this as a second season. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've completely missed it and that they have referred to it as season two. But I wonder if this is something to do with how writers and showrunners are paid per season. Because right. maybe they're this this is a sep, a second like, like half of a season in that like it makes it so that they can kind of dance around renewing the show for another season and, and therefore paying people more because yeah. every time I've seen it is like, Oh, a second set of episodes or just that, like the tweet announcing this said was like Sonic prime returns to Netflix on July 13th. And it's like, Oh, not season two as most marketing people would tell you. So that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm a little wary on so this I, is DLC for season one. It almost feels like that. So who knows if this is actually, circumventing it in any kind of insidious way or if that's just kind of the way they're referring to it it might be completely innocuous and it might just be the way that they're talking about it but that's that's just something weird that i've noticed with how they're referring to this set of episodes that is coming out several months after the last season ended yeah so. they're lear they're learning the worst lessons of the the video game industry <laughs> like hey we can we can withhold 
content that we made already we can we can do that <laughs> and, and just release it later <laughs> they're also uh, uh playing on that same uh lesson that we've talked about a few times here rich and powerful corporations always win that's right sonic that's what he's always saying he's a big corporate guy <laughs> it, it may be in a different university i don't know if you yeah, maybe we'll get they, to that 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 shatterverse corporo sonic i would like to see that <laughs> <laughs> but sonic's the only one that doesn't have his own distinct version in the, in the wait episode. what he goes from universe to universe, but it's his friends that are all there. Wait, so it's almost the... like because it's a different version of Knuckles and Tails and Amy and Rouge. But and the fun of multiverse stories is seeing like different versions of the protagonist. Primarily, you're like, yeah. oh, I want to see Sonic meet another Sonic that's like weird. It's like Sonic is like kind of like a Nexus character, I guess. Oh, oh, that's less exciting. I don't know, Even... but there are various versions of uh, Doctor Robotnik, which some of them are fun and other ones are extremely annoying. One of them should just be Jim Carrey. That would be great. <laughs> that would be amazing. Just I would be live all action Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> but he's basically a cartoon character in the way he acts. So I'm, I'm I would be all in on that. Um, Marcus, perfect segue. Speaking of cartoon characters, do you play Power Wash Simulator? I have played it. I don't play it like regularly, but I've, I've put some time to it. So yesterday, Future Lab and the Square Enix Collective announced a SpongeBob SquarePants special pack. Coming to hey. Power Wash Simulator. So we already got to clean up some stuff from Final Fantasy VII. So I guess this the is next a logical step. Exactly. <laughs> I suppose that's what this is. Um, but I got into Power Wash Simulator a little bit when it came to Switch. I tried it on Xbox and I was like, this just feels like a chore. I don't like this. I, 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 I'd I rather do other things. I can Power Wash at home, <laughs> yeah, we which is why I, I am playing this. <laughs> you could literally say if your kid is asking for Power Wash Simulator at like a Target, you could say we have Power Wash at home and then give them a Power Washer and say, all right, clean the side of the house. Yeah, get to work. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. And then eventually Switch, the Switch version came out. And I tried that version just to see if it ran well so I could talk about it on this podcast. And I was like, oh, I'm having more fun with this one even though it's the exact same game so i think it was just it took me a little bit to to really embrace it but this version or this uh this expansion is going to cost eight dollars and it'll add a mini campaign fix featuring six new maps conch street the bikini bottom bus the crusty crab the paddy wagon and the invisible boat mobile and the Murma lair okay the invisible boat that's that's pretty good that is a fantastic, <laughs> when i saw that i was like i'm in all right. I assume it's just going to be covered in dirt. And by the time you finish, you can't see it at all. I would imagine so. That That's... is a great idea. I love that. Conk Street? That's like the one thing I'm like, is that a recognizable street from SpongeBob? Unless it's in one of the later seasons. I'm like yeah. trying to think of like, what what is on Conk Street? <laughs> I don't know. I'm assuming it's maybe it's just the street where SpongeBob and Patrick and Squidward live and you clean their houses. Oh, yeah. I, I guess we've never knew what the... Let's see. Never had a name. Interesting. Or is just like the generic city shot they always use whenever they need like a wide shot of Bikini Bottom? Oh, it is. It is the three houses. It is where SpongeBob, Patrick, and Squidward live. So I guess huh. you're going to be cleaning the pineapple, the little stone head, and then Patrick's rock. Oh, well, today I learned that that street has a name. I, that's honestly that before I looked this up, that was the big omission. I was like, why aren't you cleaning SpongeBob's pineapple? So that that's really cool, actually. I, I'm, I'm in on Conk Street. <laughs> I've been in on Conk Street since 1999. I hope you get. <laughs> we have a soundboard expect... now here on All Things Nintendo. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I was like, what just happened? <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for Conk Street. Yeah, I hope you get the lift, uh, Patrick's Rock, and get the clean underneath it. Because that would be that would be good. Would and be... Maybe maybe Patrick's yeah. stuck on it. I don't know. 
got to blow him just off. Power washing Patrick. <laughs> just flesh off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that comes out this summer for Switch and every other system that it's on. Going to cost $8. Uh, real quick, because we are going very long on this news, even though that's the entire episode, really. Um, what collaboration would you most like to see with Power Wash Simulator? Like I said, we've got Final Fantasy VII. we got SpongeBob coming. What else? I've always thought it'd be funny and kind of cool if they partnered with Nintendo and just did yes. Mario Sunshine. And like that was like uh, a sequel to Mario Sunshine in a weird way. Like just go around a Delfino Isle and just blow off the... But it's like you could argue it's a less fun version of that because you don't get to fly around on a talking jetpack unless they let the Power Wash hose talk. Like it's an attachment you can buy. Yeah, it's just a flood <laughs> attachment and it's just talking to you the whole time. <laughs> and you can use it in other levels too. So Flood can talk about Midgar when you're blowing the Final Fantasy stuff away. God, I would love, I was kind of thinking along the same lines as you. I was thinking just a Nintendo collaboration. Like, give me an R Wing from Star Fox. Give me Hyrule Castle or Peach's Castle. Give me a Mario Kart. Something like Ooh, that would be so much metal. fun. All like the whole roster, just clean all those cars, sweet suits, little ice cream trucks covered in blood and stuff. You got to clean off. I, I think there's a lot of really cool ideas that they could go with this. And imagine if they got the Nintendo license for like the Switch version. That would be a huge get. Like, they, I mean, and Nintendo has shown that they're willing to collaborate with like smaller indie devs. Like we got hate, uh, Cadence of Hyrule. Right. We've gotten the uh, the Hyrule Warriors games. I know that Omega Force is a, a bigger developer, but you know we've we've gotten Mario plus Rabbids from Ubisoft. Like yeah, Nintendo Metroid has Dread. shown Met- Metroid Dread. Nintendo has shown a a willingness to license its stuff out to third parties, and I think that that would be amazing. Like being able to like I don't know uh, uh, the first level be like all right, clean Link's Ultra Hand co- uh, <laughs> creation or something. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be like clean, clean a it's divine. Be clean beast. the Nintendo headquarters, the giant, boring-looking cube office they got. It would be very <laughs> funny if the first one was clean this SNES cartridge, and it's not a power washer; it's like an air compressor, and you have to oh, blow yeah. blow into just the a, cartridge. Just holding a pair of lips, <laughs> <laughs> or just revitalize like kind of the microphone functionality of the the DS, and you have to blow into the controller. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, <laughs> we all got those laying around. <laughs> Oh my god! But uh, all right, that, that's enough of Power Wash Simulator. That, that's coming out this summer. Uh, we're going to move on to Overwatch Two, which I don't know how po- uh, how uh, popular Overwatch Two is on Switch. But uh, the team over at Blizzard dropped a huge update this week in the form of its 2023 roadmap, and we now have a pretty good idea of what to expect from the next three or four seasons. Yeah, and what not to expect, apparently. <laughs> what not to expect? Yeah. So season five, which is currently set to start on June 13th, is taking on the theme of mischief and magic, and it has a new limited time event called Quest Watch, plus other new and returning features and modes. And then season six is adding a new support hero, a new PVE story missions, and some other returning features like hero mastery and flashpoint. But as you had alluded to, this came with the disappointing news that Blizzard has basically decided to cut bait on the main PVE mode called hero missions. Those were announced back in 2019 alongside Overwatch 2. But basically it sounds like the reason Overwatch 1 died on the vine so early, like so shortly after uh, Overwatch 2 was announced, was because they decided to devote too much time to these hero missions. And then they decided uh, that they needed to focus on multiplayer content because the game was dying. 
So they uh, had a new prioritization, and then they realized they couldn't devote much attention to the hero missions uh, to make it uh, worth releasing anytime soon. And I've got to say, this sucks really bad, considering this is one of the major pushes that Blizzard gave us for why it needed a sequel instead of a patch to Overwatch 1. And like, yeah, Overwatch 2 adds like a lot of small things and then like the big change from going from 6v6 to 5v5. But like a lot of people were just waiting for the hero missions and now it sounds like they're not coming at all. Yeah, oh, that was legitimately the only thing I was interested in. <laughs> and like, I like Overwatch and, you know, I don't play as much as I used to, but when they announced 2, I was like, okay, maybe that's cool. Because everything else is, like you said, it's like, oh, this just feels like this just could have been added to the original game i don't or at the very least if this is a sequel it doesn't need to overwrite the original game <laughs> yeah the original but, game it just doesn't exist anymore which is really really messed up yeah and now that that has essentially died for nothing because <laughs> the thing that they were focusing on is no longer coming though i i i didn't watch this so maybe you have a better idea brian but like the the thing that is coming the hero missions is that I'm trying to figure out what, like, how that's different than what was just canceled. Because, like, from what I remember, the thing that we were promised was, like, a straight-up campaign, right? Like, a story-driven campaign. Yeah, it was going to take, you were going to take control of different characters. Right. And, like, hero-focused missions. I think this is more along the lines of what we've gotten with some events. Where it's, like, you have a small collection of heroes you can choose from. And you can complete these story missions. At least that's how I'm reading it. I, is it I may like be wrong. Is it the equivalent, roughly, of, like, a fighting game arcade mode where it's, like, it's not, like, a story campaign like we talked about Mortal Kombat, but it's, like, a hey, if you pick one character and go through the ladder, you get little cutscenes and you get their little story? Is that is that, like, the right analogy? Well, the way that they've done it is it's kind of, like, you play, you, you team up with three other people, I think, so it's, like, a team of four, and you have, like, six or seven characters to choose from. And then you go through kind of a wave-based survival and it's it's you're, you're fighting like robots and like NPCs. You're not really fighting like other characters. And every once in a while, right. like an, an AI-controlled version of like Reaper will show up and you have to take them out. But primarily you're fighting against the Omnics, which are kind of like the... The, the like robot thing. The robot characters, yeah, that like aren't really playable. So it's like you'll usually... that's That's how the story missions have gone to this point. But they've always been tied to the the like the seasonal events that they do right so i think that what they're going to do is they're going to be introducing permanent versions of those and you can just play them Uh, whenever that's that's kind of the way i'm reading it but also on this note the director of the game aaron keller did say after this announcement that there will be a pve focus going forward but just not in the form of the initially announced hero missions. so those hero missions were originally going to have like skill trees that you could unlock over a long period of time like all right eventually i'm going to be able to level up this ability on reinhardt and now he's much stronger on his charge or whatever in within the hero missions, but that's going away. Like the, the way that they were planning on having kind of a long tail end of like a, a, an RPG style skill tree, that's going away completely. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's really killed a lot of my enthusiasm. You know, I still have not played like finished Overwatch two or like, I guess launch Overwatch two. Like I've only ever played it when it was in the, the betas. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just haven't felt compelled to fire up the final version. I mean, one uh, one big reason was that it launched not great. Like, it had that really rough launch. I was like, I'll wait till all those problems get sorted out because I'm not, like, itching to get into it anyway. And then I told myself, like, oh, you know, I'll just wait for the single-player thing. Like, that's the one thing I really want to play. And now that that's gone, it's like, 
will I ever actually turn this thing on for real? <laughs> like, I think I, a lot of people were, were in that same boat where it was like a rough launch. And I'll be fully honest here. Like I loved what I played at launch. Like I played it prior to, I was re- reviewing it for us and I gave it a good score, but I have just soured on this game so much. Like just been like, all right, it's a monetization hellscape. Now I feel d- like completely like repelled from the experience because of the, the battle pass, uh, format and i understand the whole point of a battle pass is to get you playing constantly like that you oh, yeah. Yeah, i want to i got to keep playing so i can unlock this thing but ultimately what it does is if i like miss a week because i'm playing something else it's like oh well, i'm not gonna make the progress that i need on a battle pass so i'm just why bother yeah it's like the game didn't need it you know yeah, it was fine before it. yeah it's not like this is the first overwatch and it was like you know we've already seen that the game is super fun and also like kept people coming back without a battle pass and people like the the audience was still there i don't it just felt like i mean it just felt like a monetary move more like oh we're having trouble with engagement and the problem is that we don't have a battle pass and not that the game was more or less sort of abandoned for like the last year and a half <laughs> of it yeah they, they took the wrong lessons from why the player base dropped so sharply i mean i stopped playing I, it was my daily player i put over a thousand hours into overwatch one and the reason I stopped playing wasn't because the game sucked all of a sudden. It was because they stopped adding new stuff and I was just playing the same matches over and over again. It's like they needed new maps. They needed new characters because that's what changes the meta. That's what changes the flow of it. Now they're in there, but they have all this garbage surrounding it. And that's what the biggest problem is. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's sad and also just kind of surprising how (laughs) how much they dropped the ball with this sequel compared to how good that first game was and all the goodwill around it. Like I'm not a big multiplayer guy in general. Like it really takes something special to make me one play a multiplayer mode and also stick with it. And overwatch was one of the few that did it. Um, And even though I kind of fell off after a while, I would still check in when like a new character got dropped and then every time I jumped in, I'm like, oh, man, why did I walk away from this? So like, I forgot how much fun this is. And then, you know, you have another sort of like boom period playing it. Um, but yeah, once the characters dried up, I was like, uh, just don't feel like logging in. I would forget about it. And then again, with the sequel, getting rid of the one selling point for me, <laughs> it was like, it's like, well, I guess unless friends really want to play and I feel like hanging out with people, it's like, I just don't feel any compulsion to ever fire up overwatch 2 at this point at least and i mean for the foreseeable future looking at this roadmap it's like oh, there's nothing here that gets me excited i would like to fire it up I, I, maybe i'll try to fire it up a little bit this week just to try to see where the game is at but i don't play on switch because like i feel like it's gonna run better on xbox or it's gonna run better on playstation so yeah, like I keep that, forgetting that's, the games on switch it's kind of like this weird no man's land but at least they do have cross saves now and cross progress because before it was like all right well if i want to play on switch i have to start from scratch whereas my xbox save has over a thousand hours and all these skins unlocked at least now all of your progress is cross-platform but um real quick to wrap this up we also got more information about what to expect beyond season six which includes a roadhog and sombra rework a new collaboration event they had they had their first uh collaboration event um i want to say last season which was a one punch man collaboration and then a new control map, a new tank hero, and a bunch of other stuff. So that's where we're at with Overwatch 2. I, I'm i still rooting for it because I have, like, Overwatch 1 might be in my top 10 games of all time. It probably is. It almost certainly is if I if I look at my, like, top 10 list. I haven't, like, reconfigured my top 10 list since we did our 
issue 300 way back in 2018, I think it was. So I, I would have to reimagine what that list is, but I would, I, I think Overwatch still probably has a spot on it. And so I'm, I'm hoping Overwatch 2 can turn things around. They seem like they're not really, uh, they're not really content with just sitting on it. It seems like they're taking player feedback into account, but we'll have to see if they can do it and restore any kind of goodwill enough to get the community back in. Because right now it feels like the community is so cynical and so jaded that they're just, they're carrying off of like the successes of overwatch one back in 2016 and like how good that played. And it's like, all right, well, what is, what's, what are we really bringing to the table now? It's going to keep players coming back. And it's not, it's not really uh it's not really enough unfortunately yeah this is also a bad year for trying to rebuild it's been a hell of a year so far oh in terms of it's releases. only gonna get busier june yeah, it looks a, absurd it's like i don't see any anything or any reality where i feel like i was like oh i guess i won't play breath or breath of the wild uh tears of the kingdom or spider-man 2 or star wars and go play overwatch 2 uh so i mean best of luck to them you know yeah so we are going to actually i think that because this episode's going so long we're going to hold off on the the listener q a's for another episode but we have a few more news stories here and then we're going to wrap up um we've got more bad news (laughs) so we got some delays here first up hogwarts legacy which came out on other consoles in february it got delayed on switch again it was originally supposed to come out in july but now it's not planned to come out until November. Is that a cloud game or is that straight up cartridge? It has to be straight up like local game if they're delaying it this much. But then again, Dying Light 2. Where is it on Switch? That was supposed to come out the same day. Oh, I forgot about that. That still hasn't come out, right? Just games keep getting delayed. Like, And then Marvel's Midnight Suns got canceled for Switch. Um, that was a couple weeks ago that we got that news. So it's like, we're getting some, uh, I mean, I think it's, this might be kind of like the swan song for the switch, right? I, I guess for third parties, it seems Marvel midnight sun sucks. That's, that would be a fantastic. Be so good game. on switch. Um, yeah. and then the big, the big story here, at least in my eyes is hollow Knight silk song that was planned to come out in the first half of this year. Um, you know, Microsoft kind of broke that news last summer game fest saying that all these games in this are scheduled to come out before. it really hasn't panned out has it no <laughs> that no, whole no, initiative no, 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 no. Yeah. but then then you know they confirmed it and that was planned to come out the first half of this year the team put out a statement saying they wanted a bit more time because quote it's gotten quite big uh i'm assuming that one stings more for you right yeah i love that first game like everyone else i can't wait for silk song uh and in a way, though, it's like it it stings, but not as much because I guess because it didn't have a concrete date. So it wasn't like I was like counting down the days to like, oh, here it comes. Uh, and maybe was, I'm just so used to that game being or feeling so far away that it's just kind of like, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> you see, you go like, sure, why, why not? If it <laughs> if it results in a better game, whatever. Yeah, it's it's one of those bummer announcements, but ultimately it's like, all right, well, do what you got to do to make it a good game. And they did a great game the first time around. So I guess we just have to trust them at this point that this one's going to be awesome, too. So we've got some announcements here, Marcus, and we're going to wrap up with bad news too. good news. Hopefully, hopefully you're excited about some of these Uh, a fun little game announcement from the folks over at Atari. They've kind of been on a roll lately. 
Um, yeah, you know, they had to say about Atari. It is. They had the Atari 50 collection. They've had a couple of other game releases that have uh, either been you know well received within the community or well received by critics. But this is a cool little story because it started out as an Atari 2600 homebrew game a couple years ago, and then Atari was like, "Hey, do you want to come make it as an like, official game?" And it's a game called Mr. Run and Jump. And uh, it's a modernized version of the original Atari 2600 homebrew game from a couple years ago. And it's basically like this difficult neon colored platformer with like an emphasis on speed running and getting through the levels like smoothly and efficiently. And according to the press release, you can expect more than 30 hours of content when you consider like all the modes, like there's like time trials and story and everything. And there's like unique enemies and environments, different worlds. And then uh, I haven't gotten my hands on it yet, but it does look really smooth. And uh, I- I'm... I'm heartened by the press release touting the precise controls because based on the the, the launch trailer, it looks like the kind of game you're going to need those controls for. Yeah, so, I, I watched that trailer and it, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't know how much the aesthetic really appeals to me, but overall, like it looks like it's going to be a fun game, almost kind of playing to that like super difficult platforming genre that like, what is it? Games like Love, I think, is like one of the games that's on Switch that I, I really had a good time with. Um, there's like a trilogy of games from those same developers. Oh God, what's what the other ones the, called? Is this the first new game that's coming to the Atari VCS? I haven't kept up with like that library. It is but coming when to I the saw, Atari VCS, but um, <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, huh. I mean, Atari, all of Atari's games have come to the VCS as well. Like all like the, the reimagined like, games that they've put out. Like say is the 50th collection on that thing. I know it was originally scheduled to, but I think it was delayed at like the last second for VCS. And I don't know if it ever did come out, man. It seems like that would be the one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you got to prioritize like where the people actually play video games, which unfortunately is not the VCS. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Mr. Run and Jump is set to come out sometime in 2023. We also got an announcement from Annapurna that it's 2021 PlayStation and PC game maquette is coming to Switch next week. So that is a first-person puzzle game where you navigate M.C. Escher-style puzzles to experience the life cycle of a relationship between two characters named Kenzie and Michael. And uh, wouldn't you know it, Kenzie is played by Bryce Dallas Howard of Jurassic Park fame, also you know the director of some of the best episodes of The Mandalorian, and Michael is played by Seth Gable from Fringe and Nip Tuck. I'm not familiar with him. Um, but Ben Reeves reviewed it for us back in 2021. He gave it a 7.75, but I know a lot of people were really high on it back then. Um, so it seems like it's going to be a really cool addition and it comes to switch on May 25th. So just next week, any, uh, any interest in that? Um, I played Maquette. I, I, I want to go back to it because I played it at launch and I hit like a hard wall with one of the kind of early puzzles too, (laughs) where I just could not progress and could not figure out what to do i remember i was talking to ben reese about it at the time because he he reviewed it Mm -hmm. um and i i've been wanting to go back and give it another shot so you know switch sounds like a great platform from that game uh i i would like to get back i feel like i didn't really give it as much of a fair shake as i i would like to um is it because remember they announced it was also coming to xbox too is that the same day or is that still like up in the air because i remember they announced both of those versions at the same time i mean the press release that i got only said switch and it wasn't from nintendo it was from annapurna so i'm assuming it's not coming to switch that same day or uh, xbox Xbox. that same day oh i'm trying to look through my inbox here and i'm let's see no it just says annapurna interactive maquette is coming to switch 
Oh, weird. Uh, huh. Does not say anything about Xbox just yet. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's so that is next week. Also next week is the final news item that we are going to talk about this episode. It is the case of the Golden Idol, which hit PC last year, and it's been stuck on just that platform ever since. But the game tasks you with solving a decade-spanning mystery involving 11 interconnected deaths, and each scenario gives you static scenes, and you need to look at the environment to find clues about the deaths, the victims, and then the order in which the events happened. And then there's also the Spider of Lanka expansion, which adds three more cases. And then the Switch version includes UI improvements to make it play better with controllers. You're a fan of this game, right? Oh, yeah. I finished it earlier this year, um, just from all the goodwill, especially from uh, former editor Jill Grote. Mm. It's been singing its praises left and right. It's our go-to um, indie expert back in the day, and now she has the Indian former that you can check out if you want her indie coverage. Uh, but yeah, it's super good. I, I really like this game. It's uh, it's one of those games that make you feel real smart, <laughs> but like in an earned way. You know what I mean? Um, I think the puzzle structure is is really unique. Uh, the art style is like like intentionally kind of hideous, but in like an alluring way. <laughs> Everyone just looks weird, and I and I just I like it. And also the soundtrack is like maybe better you would expect it for like a essentially what's a, a point and click game. But yeah, uh, Switch is the perfect platform for this. Uh, it's cool to see it in front of like a bigger audience. I, you have, I'm assuming you haven't played it yet, Brian. I have not. Is it kind of like Ace Attorney or is it like when you're no. inspecting like the crime scenes or is it something different? Um, even though I haven't played it, I've heard a lot of people compare it to Return of the Oberdin. Okay, I've not played you, that either. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, like you explained some of the premise where it's like, it's more like you're doing, it's like static scenes and you're jumping from scene to scene and every scene has like interactable objects and there's like a like a a paragraph that is essentially the solution of like okay here's text with some blanks and you're basically trying to fill in the blanks of like blank died because blank got blanked at blank and you're basically trying I to hate when i get blanked at blanked by blanked <laughs> you don't want it to happen and uh and you're basically trying to fill in those blanks by inspecting the clues and the blanks can be people's names or you'll see a character, but like, I don't know who that is. I need to figure out who this is. Cause then that'll like help me figure out how they're related to like another character. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. And you're like, okay, this is Steve Jones. Okay. So I know about Steve Jones. So if he's Steve Jones and this guy has to be this guy because of a, maybe they're doing something that sort of connects the dots and then also figuring out, okay, how did they die? When did they die? And who killed them? And it, it, like I said, it's about um, every time you click an object, it gives you a word, whether it's the name of the object or the name of a person or whatever. And you have like a database of words and that's what you use to fill in the blanks. And as you sort of like collect those words and then you're uh, inspecting environmental cues that sort of help you piece together what's going on in the scene, because all the scenes are like out of context. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You'll just see like, oh, this person is like on fire. And everyone is like freaking out around him that he's on fire. And then in the next room, you see a person with like the golden idol, which is like the pretty much the center of the game, like the statue. And he's like, it looks like he's using it to blow another guy like out of the room. Like he's just like flying. And you're just like, what is happening here? And you're just trying to figure out like, okay, I know everyone in the scene. Okay, here's why this guy is on fire. 
Wars <laughs> suddenly. It, it's cool. It, it's a little tough to explain, but um, it's a really well-made game. And also the story is pretty wild. And it, it, it's 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 a very memorable game. And they had the, um, the expansion that came out recently, which is also coming to Switch the same day. It's uh, called The Spiders of, of Lanka, mm-hmm. I believe. But it, it's like a prequel to the main game. So you can actually play it first if you want to. Um, but it's like three additional cases that set up the main story. Awesome. Well, and that almost feels like a uh, kind of preemptive eShop gem of the week for this episode because it doesn't come out until next week. But that's uh, one to keep on your radar if if uh, you haven't heard of it. Like, I mean, I had not even heard of it before this news broke that it was coming to Switch. Yeah, so. it's it's cool. And I think it, it did pretty well last year in terms of like critical reception. Like, I know it walked away with... Uh, some awards and all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I did see that it was an award winning uh, game. So yeah, that's one that I'm going to check out when it, when it comes out. Um, that's all the news that we have, but we did, and we're going to skip the primary part of the listener Q and a, because we went really long on the news. I hope everybody enjoyed kind of the breakdown of all the news that hit this week. Cause it was a lot. And then I know some of that stuff, like the hollow Knight stuff hit last week, which we, we ended up focusing purely on, uh, Zelda last week, but I, I wanted to get caught up on all that stuff. But we do have one question that while you're on here, because you've done some reporting on this game, um, we wanted to talk about here. This is from Derek over on the Game Informer Community Discord. And Derek says, unless I missed something, I find it so interesting how people seemingly forgot about Little Devil Inside. I don't remember seeing a cancellation for it, but it was announced at the PS5 reveal and has essentially gone silent for over a year. I'd love to try it based on what we saw, but clearly something is going on in-house for the game to be that silent. So, Marcus, first of all, you liked what you've seen of Little Devil Inside, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's up there as one of my most anticipated indie games. Okay. And uh, yeah. what's do you have any sense of like what's going on here? <laughs> uh, none. It's funny because uh, at the beginning of this year, like the first feature I wrote for 2023 was uh, seven games I want to see more of in 2023. Mm-hmm. And uh, Little Devil Inside was is on that list because, yeah, like uh, the reader mentioned, the last time they really brought it out was in October of 2021 for a state of play. And yeah, it went all of last year with no updates. But it's also it's been doing that since it was announced in 2020. As like I said, it was announced at the PS5 reveal, and it's gone through long stretches of silence. Uh, I don't think Neo Stream has ever, at least that I'm aware of or remember, given like any reasons for any delays because they've never really given dates for that game either. You know, so I almost hesitate to call it delay. They've just kind of bring it out and say like we're still making this, but they've never like tacked a release window on it. You know? Yeah. Let me see if I can find what's the developer name. Uh oh, God, Neo. It's NeoStream. NeoStream. I'm going to see if yeah. NeoStream has a Twitter and what they've been saying. <laughs> to find out, we cancel this. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, oh, it's, there's actually a little, little devil inside. Uh, <laughs> I found a little devil inside Twitter account called Project LDI. And it has uh, its last tweet was December of 2017. So that's not promising. Yeah, I was going to also point out that this game's actually been in development much longer than when we first, when a lot of people first saw it in 2020, because I believe it was a Kickstarter game originally. Yeah, like, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on here, because there's not, there's really no information anywhere. 
yeah, I think they're just one of those, it's one of those projects where kind of like Hollow Knight Silk Song, where they're like, we'll tell you when we're ready. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's done when it's done. Uh, until then, we're going to keep our heads down. And when we have something to show, we'll show it. And, you know, as of now, the last time was 2021. But I have a gut feeling it'll pop up this summer, either at the Sony thing next week or at one of the other showcases. Like, because it's coming to, you know, I think like everything. Yeah, pretty PS, much. Uh, I'm seeing PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Switch. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's really- mostly only shown up at Sony stuff because it was at that reveal. Um, so that would be the best bet is the 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 not even state of play the PlayStation showcase you're doing next week. Um, but I don't know. I could see it appearing at Summer Games. I feel like it's going to show up sometime soon. <laughs> I hope so. Their last God. video on their official YouTube was two years ago, which right. was them recording the soundtrack, it looks like. But like they, they don't put out a ton of videos. It was like two years ago. Then there was one from a year prior to that. And then there was one from two years prior to that. And then yeah. the first video was eight years ago where they were like announcing the game. Yeah. Like I said, it's one of those projects that pops its head up every now and then just to remind you that it exists and then you don't hear from it for like a year and a half. Let's see what their Facebook has to say because that is their only thing they link to. All right, so the the last post on their Facebook was from June 19th, 2020. So uh, the answer is nobody knows because they don't tell us anything. Uh, but you, you, I know you're excited for this game and it sounds like Derek is very excited for it as well. There's a lot of enthusiasm surrounding this. So hopefully we do get something during Summer Game Fest as you're predicting here. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be one of those games where a release date just comes out of nowhere and it's like sooner than you think. And like, oh, it's coming out like two months from now or next month. And you're like, oh, okay, this is just here now suddenly. <laughs> I sure hope so because it's a very intriguing game and it's something that a lot of people are really looking forward to. So hopefully you're right and we hear something about it in the next month or two because that's just something that feels long overdue at this point. For sure, yeah. But Marcus, we're going to wrap up there because again, we've gone long on the news. We're almost uh, at an hour 45 here. Is this uh, the longest episode ever? No, we, we've had some that go past two hours, I think. And okay. um, those are the jam-packed, usually like Nintendo Directs and stuff like that that happen uh, alongside other big things that are going on. Right. But uh, yeah, it's the longest news segment by a long shot. Um, but thank you so much for joining me, Marcus. This has been a, a great breakdown, great rundown of all the news. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for scaring me with your soundboard as well. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor. If you haven't already, throw all things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. If you want to get any questions or comments in, you can get in touch with me at allthingsnintendo at gameinformer.com or hit me up on Instagram at Brian P. Shea. And then you can always join the Game Informer community Discord. We're going to be doing a Q&A episode very soon. And joining that is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel, even just for one month. Getting us questions on the Discord is one of the best ways to go, but you can also reach out in those other methods as well. Marcus, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MarcusStewart7, which is the number seven. That is our show for this week. Thank you again for listening. Take care. We'll see you next time.